Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Well, thank you very much for having us on. No problem at all. Um, for our listeners who don't understand or don't know much about muscular dystrophy, tell us a little bit about the condition that your sons suffer. Okay, well, muscular dystrophy would be an umbrella term that actually encompasses a lot of different diseases. The boys, Archie, George and Isaac, happen to have Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which is a catastrophic muscle-wasting disease. Um, You're born with it. It's a genetic disease, and there are lots of variations within it, as there are with so many of these kinds of diseases. And unfortunately for Archie, George and Isaac, and the majority of other children and young adults, is that there is no treatment or cure for it. It's an extremely devastating condition. Um, I know a family is, uh, who lost two children to the condition and um, it's very, very hard to deal with, not because you're, you're minding sick children as well. Uh, and children are resilient and they're absolutely brilliant, but it's very, very difficult uh, to face this journey, isn't it? I think as a parent, any anybody that you speak to, all they want for their children, if you ask them really is they want their children to be healthy and happy. And I think, unfortunately, all of us actually take the first part of them being healthy, we take that for granted. And I know even as a nurse, myself and my husband's a nurse, when you're having having a baby, you assume you're going to have a healthy child. I think mm-hmm. it's a very subconscious, innate thing. Um, and I think with, with diseases like Duchenne, um, any disease is cruel, but with these kinds of diseases, you're almost tricked because initially your children appear to be healthy. Um, You know, the boys weren't diagnosed until Archie was seven, Mm. and the twins were two and a half. So um, Archie had different challenges, physical challenges, because he he nearly died of meningitis and septicemia when he was two. So he walked with a limp, and we thought, you know, we were so upset for him, Mm -hmm. but that was better than the thought that he could have lost a limb. You know, so you bargain... All of us bargain, don't we, with things. You think, well, look, oh, yeah. at least he can walk. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then we were worried, was he going to be deaf? And, you know, so you, you have all these worries. So you're very grateful that mm-hmm. your child is here and present. And I think that's what happens to parents like us, that our overriding emotion is for the losses that our children experience because of the catastrophic diseases that they have. You know, um, you don't really think about yourself so much. I remember the day the boys were diagnosed, um, the consultant who we knew very well and had looked after Archie when he was 
were very, very sick as a baby. He said, I remember him saying to me, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. And I remember saying, but it hasn't happened to us, it's happened to the boys. Mm-hmm. And I felt I could say that because I knew him so well and he was so compassionate. But I suppose, you know, you saying that, I'm reminded that it does happen to us. But as parents, we never put ourselves first, do we? It's, no. always, it's always our children. So for us, and, you know, when we think of all of the other children with Duchenne, it's it's about what they have to endure and mm-hmm. and and generally what they what they can miss. Now, there are different families take different views, you know, and um, I think individuals with Duchenne take a different view. And my oldest son always says to me, but mummy, this is the way it is and I'm fine. You know, they have an amazing way of looking at things, mm-hmm. but... I think, well, when I was 14, what was I doing? You know, I think that's just part of the human condition, really. It is. It is. But, you know, you are a mommy and you have to face this with your boys. And, you know, you said you're a nurse and you've probably seen everything and anything. But when it happens to you, and it does happen to you, Paula, because they're your babies and you have to watch this, you have to do every step, you have to do everything for them and uh, you're the one that's left with any worries and pain and hurt and the fight to get proper treatment and the diagnosis and all of those things. So are you a little bit more accepting of that now, the the situation you're in as their mommy and their dad as well? And their dad, yeah. They've got a great dad. Mm-hmm. They're very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I suppose really what frustrates me as, you know, as a healthcare professional, I'll probably be slated for this because I work for the HSC, Alison, is that... You know, that it's bad enough being told that your children have a disease that has no treatment or cure. It's bad enough that you feel you have to set up a trust because you're informed. We want to set up a charity, but we were informed by a barrister seven years ago. You know, you're going to need to, you know, you know you're going to need resources for the boys that the state will be unable to provide. And when you hear that, you kind of think, what do you mean they can't be, be provided with mm-hmm. the things that they need? But that's our experience. Now, I think we're quite unusual as a trust because we have donated large amounts of money for translational research projects in Europe and America. But we are a trust. So the funds is a trust fund for the boys. But then we do we have chosen to use money for the greater good. So we've had conferences, two international conferences in Grove Park and things like that. But, you know, um, the problem is the amount of money that we need to ensure the boys have what they need is is enormous and we're constantly playing catch up. Mm. So that's what really irritates me as a mother and as a nurse, that we are relying on the goodwill, compassion and generosity of people in Ireland, the UK, the States and other places to fund the things that the children need. For example, we're building this house and we need a hoist system. Mm-hmm. Of course we do for three boys. But, you know, a few years ago, we found ourselves a social worker because we were getting nowhere. And bless her, she turned over every stone, but no one can help us. They can give us a manual hoist, but we want a hoist in the ceiling because there are three boys. So, you know, we have to find the €30,000 to pay for that. The state can't help us. And I think that is ludicrous. And I think that families should be assessed on the needs of the people in the house, whether they're two or 102, not on the fact that you have a job. Because what they do is they look at the money coming into the house, but they don't look at what goes out of the house. So how are we supposed to find 30000 for a hoist ourselves? Mm. Now, that's just one thing. So that's what I'm not comfortable with. That's what mm. I can't reconcile 
that we live in a country that purports to have the, the needs of children, you know, um, a centre. No, no, Paula, no, I am with you there. And I actually said this here on The Late Lunch yesterday. This country does not put children first. They never have. And they're still not doing it. And we had a children's referendum and children are supposed to be at the heart of all of the decision making. And I was a foster carer and I can tell you they're the children with no voices, no identity. You're on the radio and we know your son's names and, and it really does make a difference to be able to have mom or dad on or guardian or whoever's rearing the child to be able to speak and say their names and say what's wrong. But I can tell you in the foster care system you can't do that. And not just yeah. that, sick children in the foster care system are falling through the cracks all the time and I speak from personal experience so no, we absolutely do not put children first in this country and, and it is and, shameful. And I don't really know what it's going to take. And that's, you see, that's the part of me that was so much about, like, we've got to try and help other, other people. And that's why we did the research stuff and, the, and the, the conferences, because, you know, we are all different and none of us know how we're going to, to you know, imagine if one of your children, you're told, has a terminal disease and there's no treatment or cure. How... If someone had told me 10 years ago I could cope with that, I would have said never. Mm. I would put my pyjamas on and I would never get out again. I would never go out again. So I don't think it matters whether it's one children or three children Mm. or two children or six children that are sick. The point is we all respond differently and we have to be respectful of that. And some of us are able to do this. Now it's killing and crushing and you won't see what happens to me when I get off the radio. But some people can't do that. And that is... They're the people I worry most about because they're not seen, they're not heard, but their children have the same needs and they have the same needs. And, you know, I mean, I said I wasn't going to get political, but it's just in my DNA. But, you know, we write and write and write and we get lovely letters back and we're going to be pushed from one government department to Mm -hmm. the other. The only person that has done anything, in my view, tangible for children with Duchenne muscular dystrophy in this state is Leo Varadkar, when he personally assisted in providing funding to set up clinical trials in Temple Street. Well, you see, he's a GP and yeah. and he understands the situation. And I mean, I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a fan of any politician. Um, but he understood COVID-19. And just to put it into context, he like he was the leader of the country when, when COVID broke. And I knew just from listening to him, he actually understands what he's talking about here and what's going to hit the country because he's a GP. So he does understand the conditions. He's, he's clearly read about it. He clearly knows it and he gets it. So that I will give to him always because he does understand these things. So I'm not surprised he's been involved. But the challenge is, you know, is that whole thing about, you know, respectful listening, that if I am a parent who also happens to have, you know, clinical experience, if I go to the Minister for Housing or the Minister for Disability and say, these are the needs of the children, if those people don't know, I expect them to go and find out, is this woman speaking a load of rubbish or should we actually be provide? Does the state... The question is, does the state have responsibility to minors who are terminally ill in this country? That's the question I would like to find out. Well, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're up near the doll any time, Paula, and you're too busy to be up near the doll, it, it, you know, we celebrated the centenary of the Irish Parliament and the first uh, government meeting. And at that discussion was putting children first.
a hundred years ago. That has not yeah. happened. So no, we're still talking about it, but there's no action. No, and I know that we're not going to solve it today, Alison, but I suppose that I suppose for listeners that um, are in a position today, and let's say today, because no one knows what's going to happen in any family tomorrow or later today, but for any families that are in the position today where they don't have to think about these things, and I'm very happy for them, the reality is that, you know, there are thousands of families in this country, in this position, with maybe not children that are terminally ill, but children that have long-term ongoing medical and physical psychological needs that are just not being addressed. Correct. And I'm not sure what it's going to take. And but what makes it very lucky for the politicians is, we, like you've already alluded to, we're far too busy back in the trenches mm. to be marching through the streets, you know, in normal times, let alone in a pandemic. So, I, you know, talk is cheap. That's what I've learned. Yep. I've learned it's very, very yep. cheap. And, you know, I, could, I, I can't possibly take up your time with everything I'd like to say. But, uh, you know, that's my question. Does the state, Irish state, have a responsibility to these children? And if, if they don't, why not? And if they do, who can help me in this situation today? Who can help me so that I can spend time with my children that unfortunately, you know, could become very sick overnight um, and, and things change drastically for them on any given day that I can be with them and not out with a bucket, shaking it on the radio and spending time with mm. my children that might not see adulthood. Well, well, won't, well tell our listeners about your planned sale at the weekend. Well, first of all, it's not my plant sale, and I would be very remiss to to take credit for it. This is there's a band of women led by a lady called Attractor Doran, and their names are there's Attractor, there's June Lockrain, there's Jana Habrakova, there's Sheila Garrity and Bernie Bernie Dunn, and they did a fundraiser for us pre-pandemic times where they had a lovely tea party with China and raised a lot of money. And Attractor, I think is as equally incensed by our situation as I am for the boys and the fact we're still trying to bring money in to finish mm-hmm. the house. Um, and so she decided, she rolled up her sleeves and she's been working very closely with a lady called Eileen Ivers of Riverdance Nursery and Garden Centre. And they they have been organising between them and many other sponsors and providers from around the area to hold this this plant sale. And it's on Saturday, the 25th. From 11 till 5, it's outside, um, it's Crinian's Furniture Store um, in Trim. It's in the retail park there in Trim. And I understand that Crinian's Furniture are, are great supporters of anybody that needs help, as are all of these other people. Um, and as I say, lots of other, other nurseries, have, they've, I think they've got over 500 plants now, and they're going to be selling them at half the market value thereabouts. So any kind of people that are into their garden themselves or would like to give plants to people, you'd be getting really, really good quality products that have been really well nourished and looked after for really good prices, but at the same time supporting the boys. Fantastic. I think my understanding is the um, the local traders association in Trim have been fantastic as well. And Ursula Winters, who has the lovely Nook, I call it the Nook Emporium, the Nook Store, um, has been involved as well and kind of been rallying people. So there's a lot of love and a lot of support and we're incredibly grateful. Good for them. you. 
Good for you, Paula. No, it's, it's great. Wonderful support around you as well. So that's 11 to 5 at Crinian's Furniture and Bedding Car Park and Trim Retail Park this Saturday, the 25th. Uh, a great fundraiser there. Paula, thank you so much for coming on to the late lunch here on LMFM to share the story of your three young boys. Can I just say two more things just very quickly because I know you're short for time. There was people, you know, we need lots of help with the house. You know, we've got to furnish it. We've got to try and landscape all of this stuff that we just have run out of money for. Um, There's a company that um, are based in Louth called EliteFence.ie. And I just want to give a shout out to them because they're not far from you. And Sandra and Patrick Byrne, they have sponsored €10,000 worth of fencing for the boys. Brilliant. Oh, great work. We're just so grateful to them. Thank you so much, Paula. Thanks for sharing your story with us here. That's uh, Paula Nocton there speaking about her gorgeous boys, Archie, George and Isaac, who all have uh, a very extreme form of muscular dystrophy. So please support their fundraiser at the weekend. We'll take a break and we'll be back after this. Details. Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. Just thinking about Paula Nocton there who was on with us just before the break talking about uh, a fundraiser for her children who suffer with an extreme form of muscular dystrophy. And she was saying, you know, even as a nurse, you know, it's so difficult to get anything um, for children who are sick in Ireland. But she also made a very valid point that not everybody's able to go on the radio to speak the way she can. I mean, she's clearly a good talker. And to go on the radio to be able to talk about your personal business and to ask for help and to ask for support. Um, and she worries about the people who can't do that. And I say, you know, it's a quiet priest never got his parish. That's what they say. And uh, unfortunately, you know, um, people do have to go on to the radio and into the newspapers to speak about their situations in order to get support. And really, that shouldn't be happening at all. So I do absolutely sympathise with the people who are not able to, to put themselves out there and to talk about their private business. Anyway, keep the text coming in 086 658 uh, Now, it's Irish Music Month. If you're in a band or a solo artist are looking for that big break, October will be LMFM Irish Music Month and we want to hear from you. You could be in a chance to perform live on LMFM and play at a nationally broadcast event and win a prize of €5,000. Irish Music Month is promoting Irish artists from every genre and every county across the country. You can enter now, check out lmfm.ie or any of the LMFM socials for more or you can email us and email some info along with your mp3 to irishmusic at lmfm.ie. We'll take a song, picture house and sunburst. You're very welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. I'm Alison O'Reilly and I am here until half past three. I'd love to hear from you as always. Our text number or WhatsApp us when safe to do so is 086-1800-658 or you can email us at info at lmfm.ie. Now still to come on the show, two men suffering with motor neuron disease are going to lap Mondello Park in their wheelchairs and boy are they up for that challenge. That's going to be a bit of crack. And the Debs are back. I'm sure plenty of young people are delighted with the idea of this happening. Patrick Barry's going to be telling us about his online channel, Lear Media TV, and that's all coming up on The Late Lunch here on LMFM. But first, a Fair City star, George McMahon, is on the line to tell us about some issues he's having with his stage school. George, how are you? Great, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit better than I have been for the last couple of weeks because, you know, um, it's been a stressful couple of weeks, but there's been, um, um, I suppose, we, we've made ways to get to some form of re- resolution uh, of the problem. Okay, uh, so well, well, say that. well, tell us where it all began. What happened? 
Um, so it all began when the announcement was made by government that uh, indoor activities for children could recommence on the week of uh, September 20th. Uh, we were over the moon. We've been out of business for the guts of two years um, and our Stamullen children, we, we, we run classes in Stamullen, uh, Dalik uh, and in Nall. Uh, but in particular, our Stamullen group has, has always uh, suffered. It just hasn't been able to get back open during lockdown. So we were able to deliver the great news that we're going to be back and, and we're, we're, we're looking forward to it. Um, we did the, I suppose, the silly thing we assumed um, that things would be all as, as, as they should be. Because uh, we've been in the, the parish hall in Stamullen for the past six years. Mm-hmm. So we just went ahead and announced it and then just touched base then with the, the parish secretary just to say, listen, um, we're, we're, we're good to go uh, the week of the 20th. Hope all is well, your end. And we got this kind of a lukewarm uh, kind of a, an email which just, just didn't sit right with us at all. We were like, this is not going to end well at all. Uh, and it didn't end well. So it started off with, we're not sure if we're going to be welcome back. Um, the new parish priest wants to put a, a, a new spin on things. Um, he wants to up the rent of the of the hall, um, and then he he doesn't want anyone in the hall. Uh, so the, the excuses kind of kept from getting you know changing and getting bigger and, and more elaborate and kind of more nonsensical each time. Um, and it was just a really frustrating time. Um, but the whole time um, behind the scenes, we were about two weeks kind of just trying to scramble to find somewhere else and find a solution. Uh, all the while kind of trying to keep the debate open with uh, Father Ferris, uh, pleading with him to reconsider his position and um, see it from our side. Um, and we just couldn't. So eventually then we had to go public with it and say to our parents, look, this is, this is what's happened. Our stage school is now homeless. Uh, and we're going to try and do what we can to to get some people power together to um, uh, to try and overturn the decision. So, uh, thankfully, we got some great support from our parents and from from people in in the Simulan, um village in, in general. Uh, behind the scenes, people were working tirelessly uh, trying to find solutions. Like some people were offering us their their empty premises. Um, you some people were offering us their back garden, and they said we put a, a, a they, they put a tent up for us. Wow, um, and, yeah. and, and, and to be fair to uh, to Senator Sharon um, Sharon Keoghan, um, she she was moving mountains uh, to try and get uh, find somewhere, uh, and she dug deep in fairness to her, um, and, and we're after finding somewhere. Okay, um, okay. So yeah, where no, are you going? Ideal. So we're we're going now. We're moving up the road. It's about a seven minute drive up to Judianstown Community Centre. Um, so unfortunately, we're going to lose about thirty percent of our business. Um, but it's just that that's just what we're just going to have to live with. Uh, we're disappointed in it, and we're sorry that we couldn't um, we couldn't get Father Ferris to, to reconsider. Um, but at the same time, uh, we've got a new home now, and we've we've got a job to do with our kids, and we have to just suck it up and get on with it, as they say. I think it's an industry that has been battered quite a bit. I've spoken to uh, a few stage schools in Dublin, and yeah. uh, they were struggling with premises and the return of premises. See, the thing is now things are changing so much after COVID. We're, we're we're entering a whole new kind of way of living, um, yeah. and I suppose while it's it is very very challenging for people like yourselves when when you get that news, uh, you know this will probably work out better for you in the long run, George. You know because you have somewhere which is a start, um, and you can really only build on it then from there, can't you? I mean the kids love these schools; they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, no. In fairness, like there is good scope, and and the, the new space that we're in is is a beautiful space. We use it for our summer camp, so we're familiar with it. 
Um, we're just, we, you know, we have a duty of care to some of the students who just won't be able to come um, or make the trip. Um, and, and, and that's just what we're sad about, really, you know. Um, but as I said, we, we, we have to suck it up and, and, and get on with it because we've got big plans for our students and big plans for the state school. So we, we, we go onwards and upwards. Tell us about some of the things that you do, some of the activities in there. And um, so we, we have um, we have a tot class, and that's three to six year olds. And um, so a lot of the time, um, it, it's, it's actually a child's first time to stand up and say their name in front of other kids. And um, so it's a lot of play-based, fun introductions into singing, dancing, and drama, uh, team-building games, um, uh, role-playing games, um, and 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 script work and audition prep, and we do we we do everything to do with performing arts. Um, anything that you need to know uh, about being an actor, about being a professional dancer, um, we touch on everything. So there's a load of stuff there. And of course, your own experience then of acting. How's life going for you in the acting world? Yeah, so like it's, 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 it's the next few months, I think, are the, the beacon of hope for everybody. I think the industry is slowly starting to, to, we're starting to get a, a new sense, a sense of a new normal, so to speak. Um, so it, it, it said COVID was a, a challenging time, mm. um, especially in the early days when even Fair City was closed down. Um, and we were thankful then, maybe for the second lockdown, that RT found a, a safe way to mm. keep Fair City up and running. Um, but it, it just goes to show, um, you know, that we're all vulnerable. Um, and it, I suppose this time around, I think we're more appreciative uh, of any kind of work that you get in or any other means of putting food on the table. Uh, it, it, it certainly um, it, it certainly makes you appreciate it more. Yeah, I mean, this there is signs of hope. We had uh, Karen Morgan, a media photographer, on here on the late lunch during the week, and she was saying that uh, you know there is a bit of hope there that more films are coming. You know, it's the Colin Farrell film over in Ackle over in Mayo, and uh, we had Disenchanted over the summer. A uh, couple of things being rolled out now, um, and uh, it is it is hopeful given that it was an Absolutely. industry that yeah nearly collapsed. I mean, it was so bad. It particularly for performing arts. Absolutely. I mean, just you're talking about the big gigs there, but also the little gigs are coming mm, back now. You yes. know, like the, the, the small church singing um, and the, the wedding gigs and all that kind of stuff. That, that they're all coming back as well, which are the, the, the bread and butter for so many of the performers. Um, and, it, and it's happening and we're getting there. Um, and the, the, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And just hope, hopefully, we're, 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 you know, it's, it's not a false, uh, a false promise. Uh, but it, it's starting to look good for for the for the world at large. And George, for people who want to get in contact with you and want to keep an eye on what you're doing, I know that you're, you don't have the same type of premises. But look, these things build, and you don't know what's around the corner. So anyone who wants to get in touch with you and join the stage school, uh, give us your details there. Yeah, so we're in Nall, um, and we're in Dulic, um and we're in uh, Juliantown slash the Mullen. And you can find out all the information on Glitz Stage Academy, and that's on Facebook. So just uh, search Glitz. Stage Academy, you get all the information there and you'll get in touch with either Rachel, my beautiful wife, uh, or you'll get in touch with me and uh, we'll, we'll get you booked in for any of our classes. Super stuff. George McMahon of Fair City and a fantastic stage school. Thanks so much for joining us here on The Late Lunch to fill us Thank in you. with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. No problem at all. Uh, so obviously we'll have to uh, let you know that um, we were in touch with uh, St. Patrick's Parish Complex in relation to the uh, situation there with George McMahon and they did send us in um, a statement 
And they've said that the parish pastoral centre has not been closed and was never being closed. In fact, quite the opposite. Going forward, there are plans that will mean hundreds of children, their parents and grandparents will be using the parish facilities more than ever before. But prior to the COVID pandemic, only five small voluntary groups availed of the facilities. And when government guidelines allow it to reopen, these groups will be welcomed back. There will be also availability for other small groups who may wish to use the facilities and to do that you can contact the parish office there St. Patrick's Parish Complex. Regrettably, very regrettably, the only business activity that availed of the parish facilities prior to COVID can now no longer be facilitated when it reopens as that room is being turned into an oratory for the very practical reason of facilitating weekday masses and financial reasons and I hope that clarifies the position says the parish priest with God's blessing to all. So there you are we'll uh, take a break and uh, we'll be back after this. Shakira there, hips don't lie. I believe she was in a bit of bother there recently. Something to do with taxes or something like that. Mm, big fan of her now. I like her. I have to say I do like her. You're very welcome back anyway to the late lunch here on LMFM. Uh, still to come on the show, two men suffering with motor neuron disease are going to lap Mondello Park in their wheelchairs and they're going to have great fun by the looks of things because they've already done a promo video and it's absolutely hilarious and the Debs are back so we want to hear from you do you remember your Debs? I remember my Debs I had a black and red dress I don't know what I was thinking um, but you're back. that was back in the 80s or something God only, <laughs> God only knows uh, keep the text coming in though the uh, text or WhatsApp number is 086-1800-658. But before that, Lear Media TV is a monster-owned company that looks at TV, radio, education, training courses and all in-house documentaries. And it was founded by Limerick woman Dr Mary Honan and Patrick Barry. And their aim is to provide listeners and audiences in the region with TV shows and focusing towards the over 40s demographic. And Patrick Barry is on the line now. Patrick, how are you? Hi, Alison. Great to have you. I hope the dress you're wearing for your Debs now was <laughs> off the shoulder, was it? <laughs> Do you know what it was? It was called a sweetheart top. Well, <laughs> 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 I'll write that down for further it was a black fat and I, got, I was I was one of those idiots who went and got her dress made everyone else got them off the railings but I had to have it made and a practical it, loud woman are you <laughs> and I just said mm, I looked well at pictures up, yeah. <laughs> I brought the pictures the other day and I went mm, could have done yeah. better could have done better <laughs> <laughs> anyway how are you Pat this is a great great online channel and I mean it's everything from national local international the Irish diaspora everything well it is I mean we were forced really uh, because we started uh, trading if it wasn't trading is right we opened in January 2020 and uh, of course you know what happened in March April of that <laughs> oh, year no. the COVID thing shut down of course all the local businesses here the small ones that you be your bread and butter people who support local initiatives you know mm. they were closed down they were closed off to us so I mean, it was a, a challenge whether we keep going or not, but we got some fantastic support. I think we got some fantastic support from the United States initially uh, through Alice Butler Short. I must mention Alice, she's no longer with us. She passed away, unfortunately, um, a couple of months back. But she was, she's originally from Care and County Tipperary, so she, she's uh, Butler's, all the Butler's down there. But anyway. She really put us on the right track in one way, and she she got some very good contacts, guests that we could. We were forced to do things online. Mm-hmm. We were forced to do things with. Zoom 
we got we got a few very good supporters on board. The local the Samaritans of Limerick and Tipperary were very very supportive of us, and also another charity down in uh, Georgia, in USA, which is called the Yellow Elephant. Check it out, lads. You can look it up online. They're just fantastic people, and they they were enthusiastic about the whole project so it gave us heart to hope and we have some fantastic broadcasters now with us as well and more coming on board and we're at the throes at the moment of applying for an FM licence with the BAI That's fantastic so. Pat and I mean you you were retired and all of this and then you just decided I'm going to go into this I'm going to give this a go I did and my hair is greyer apart from anything else and there's more pronounced lines on my face but apart from that I'm, I feel healthy you know <laughs> But you've a bit of everything in there a whole mixed bag for your audience well, Mainly our thrust is for the over 40s demographic mm-hmm. they're the people with the money so see but for the over 40s demographic for mainly speech we'll have we'll have mm-hmm. uh, specialised music programmes interspersed as well when we get fully operational but uh until now, we've built up a good bank of people who are supportive of us, who are doing programmes, who are putting out regular programmes. And I must mention the British and Irish Trading Alliance over there in London, and uh, founded by a fellow cockman, Paul Whitnell. Big shout out to Paul, fantastic Paul. They've very supportive, so much so that they've come on board with a business show called, appropriately enough, A Bit of Business. So it's important to keep those ties up as well, because, as you know, Britain are no longer in the, in the EU, so... They're our biggest trading partner and all of that, so it's important to have any con- connect- connectivity with them. So we found them very supportive, and they've they've been very supplied us with some programs that we um, appreciate. There's some software stuff that we that they allowed us to use as well, you know, which helped us along the line mm-hmm. initially. But um, they're very good themselves, you know. That's the British Irish Trading Alliance, you know. It's a, it's a, it's not an easy thing to do, Pat. Setting up your own channel, um, and then being hit by COVID. But then, you know, I suppose you've learned all about online and Zoom and all of these things. But that that was a, a monstrous task to take on. Well, we were in, we we've moved to. Cut, do we ever put our two feet? In it? We've moved to a new premises, Alison, recently, and signed a two-year deal with them. Brilliant! And uh, it's a really fantastic modern premises. Uh, it's either sink or swim now for the next two years, but we don't think of that because you can only take it on a daily basis. Otherwise, you trip over yourself and mm. lose the focus. The focus is on quality programming, delivering quality programs, and our YouTube channel. Learmedia.tv, our YouTube channel is testament to, we have over 460 or 70 odd programmes we've done, you know. Brilliant stuff. And uh, right across the spectrum for people on, um, now I must give a special mention to Dr Mary Honan. She is just not alone behind the microphone. She is phenomenal with the look of the station, with the Mm. graphics and the look, the modern look of the programmes, you know, they've improved out of all order recently. Well, it is and a very we, fancy. It is a very fancy website. I was having a look at it earlier, and it's it's been it's changed since the first time I looked at it. But it's it's quite snazzy. Actually, our our website is being done up as we speak. Um, I hope he hurries up with it. I won't mention him on air. <laughs> it's being done up as we speak. But recently, we've uh, we've uh, began a Monday night sports show called The Final Whistle, and we've got a fantastic. Uh, contributor from Seattle in Washington, Joe Waters, who people remember of my vintage. Uh, he played with Leicester City and so scored some fantastic goals and he mm-hmm. played with the Public Violin as well. That's Joe. He's over there now in Seattle and he's a regular panellist and we have a, a golf coach from Wembley in London, Derwin Honan, who's a regular. And then we 
supplement that with two locals. So we have a very good, vibrant sports show. We have 16 or 17 editions of it done. We do it on a Monday night because, look, we're not going to compete with the established ones, you know? We mm-hmm. don't see any point in spending four or five hours on a Saturday on a sports show, you know? On no. When all the other channels are already are well established, you know? So yeah. we, we pick up all the stuff from the weekend on Monday night, quirky stuff, unusual stuff stuff, you know, because all the others have been covered, you know, there's no point in repeating yourself, people will get bored, so we pick up the off-the-track moments, off-the-field mm-hmm. gossip and stuff like that, and we, it's working so far anyway, touch wood, you know, it's working and so what, far. And what's the reaction been like? Well, cumulatively speaking, we have a, a listenership, a viewership, rather, a viewership of 84,000, which sounds small, but when you consider where we were all last year, probably struggling to emerge from hundreds and hundreds of podcasts and channels, you know. Well, I mean, 84,000 is what some national newspapers are, are selling in one day. Well, media, so, you know, yeah. Alice, I have to tell you, you're in the media yourself. Media is hugely, hugely challenging. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no doubt about that to to get um, and then of course I mean the the infrastructure to give you li- the licensing infrastructure leave a lot to be desired for the 21st century now in saying that the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland have some fantastic people and we've been working with two or three of them and they are just phenomenal but the vehicle they're using in my opinion is not fit for the 21st century mm-hmm. this is the you problem know? this is the problem listen Pat give us out your details there I mean I'm, I mean there's some fantastic shows on this channel like you've everything from chat shows to breakfast and as you said sports shows it re- and, and you can watch it at your leisure you can watch it at your leisure and also now obviously the sports show may be out of date but the, the, the off the cuff stories are not you know mm-hmm. and uh, we have um we hope in the next couple of weeks to have an interview with Tom Brady, you know, through our contact in America. That's the the, the, the quarterback with, because the NFL season has mm-hmm. just started in America, that Tom Brady would have any his Irish connection. So uh, we're hoping to have, it's nearly clinched, to have an interview with Tom. And I know it's not easy to get him, but he's 44 years of age and he's still performing at the highest level, you mm-hmm. know. Fantastic. And uh, things like that, uh, we're lucky. We can be lucky. You can be lucky. Uh, as well as honest about programming. So lucky is, uh, is, is our <laughs> byword. But the programs, Alison, as you know yourself, you, you did one with me, which was fantastic, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, people still talk about it, not because I'm on the air with you, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. You were able to get stuff out of me that no one else was, Pat, but listen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe your God was down that day, which was fantastic. It certainly you know? was, it was. But listen, we're running out of time here. Um, yeah. uh, people so can yeah, get you on L- Lear Media yeah. TV. Lear Media TV, that's it, uh, www.learmedia.tv and uh, email us info at and we have two or three local radio stations now who are in co- contact with us to supply speech programming for them because, as you know, that's the Great most stuff. challenging one Great. of all people can't do speech, you know. Lovely, lovely. Patrick, yeah. thank you so much for joining us here on The Late Lunch. That's uh, Patrick Barry there from Lear Media TVD. Do check it out, variety of programmes there, 24 hours. We'll take a break, be back after this. Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. Still to come, we'll be talking about the Debs. So do text us in. Uh, I'd love to know uh, if you remember your Debs. And if so, was it a big deal? Uh, Because uh, I was very nervous, I think, going to mine. Um, I certainly... um, saw my dress as well the other day which didn't help my anxiety level <laughs> and I thought God what an awful dress anyway, 
<laughs> but we're talking like 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago at this stage. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't like to think about it. But anyway, <laughs> the Debs are back. So people will be celebrating and getting all dressed up. And the style would knock you on the young people today. They just know how to dress and they know how to wear it. Uh, so that's all coming up here on the late lunch. Uh, but uh, first, we're going to talk about the sporting event of the year. And to tell us more, Roy Taylor is on the line. Roy, how are you? Great, Alison. You're still you rocking. Sure am. Well, I tell you, September 25th, it's the place to be, isn't it? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so tell us, you're going to lap Mondello Park in your yeah. wheelchair. Myself and my fellow MND warrior, Sean Woods, are challenging one another to a race. Now, Sean is a brilliant mechanic. He has built his own racing cars and he's raced and indeed won many times in Mondello. So I'm taking him on in a challenge. He thinks he has it wrapped up. But I know, Alison, he's another thing coming. Mainly me, right up behind him. <laughs> I think this is fantastic. So the two of you are going head to head in your wheelchairs around Mondello Park. And it sounds to me like it's going to be seriously, seriously hardcore between the two of you. Oh, yes. Sean takes it very serious. He has sent spies down to my house to take photographs of the motor in my chair. He's not worried. OK, so, so he's he's playing dirty. Yes, he is. I even heard going to get people to throw brass tacks on the track uh, before I get there. Right. Okay. He's one now you've got to keep an eye on because they are dirty tricks. They are dirty tricks now. They are. They are. But in saying that, we have uh, trained together. The two of us were on the M1 the other day. I said, right, Sean, let's open up these babies. We were tearing down the road. People were shouting, oh my God. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's two lunatics. It's <laughs> all for a good cause. <laughs> so we can forget about the World Cup qualifiers. Absolutely. This, this is the sporting event of the year. Now I have to say, Alison, to most people going around Mondello in a motorised chair, normal healthy people, it's not that difficult. But for Sean and I, with Fingers, hands, wrists, arms, incredibly weak. It is difficult. Now, it would be as difficult as a snail climbing up a skyscraper with another snail on its back. I better clarify that in case your listeners think I'm getting a bit promiscuous. The snails are only friends. There's no hanky-panky or snaily-waily. Well, I'll tell you, that is the perfect description for something like this. I can visualise it now. And now, so you, you're going up there. Now, what, do you have to be there early? Who's going to brow you down when you're sweating? Have you got drinks ready? Who's going to be there cheering you on? I mean... We have a, a full team. Um, everybody's welcome. From the afternoon onwards, if you go down and mention Sean Woods or Roy Taylor, admission is free in the afternoon. The race is on just after six. Now mind you, Alison, if they go to the bar, just give Sean's name, not mine. 
<laughs> the drinks are on Sean. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, you're two brats. Oh, I tell you. No <laughs> but on a serious note, though, Roy, living with motor neuron disease, we're hearing more and more about it now. Yes. In the last couple of years, there have been significant findings. Now, that doesn't mean we're there yet. Mm-hmm. It means there's a spark in what was a very dark tunnel. Mm-hmm. When, you hear, when you hear the likes of Professor Hardiman saying, Using words like um, optimistic, excitement, it's fantastic. There's another five or six trials this year alone. So we're getting there, Alison. Yeah. Yeah. And when were you diagnosed, Roy? Um, three and a half years ago. Right. And you're in a wheelchair now? I am indeed. All the time? Yes. And the same with Sean? More or less, yeah. And did you strike up a friendship going treatment together or had you known each other before? Well, Sean is from Jamiskin mm-hmm. and I live in Dundalk. So we got to know one another, basically, I suppose, through both of us having MND. And now you're racing against each other. And, in, oh, and not yeah. just racing against each other. It's kind of like grease lightning, isn't it? Dirty tricks. Absolutely. And all mm. sorts of shenanigans going on. We were going down the motorway so fast Guards chased us, pulled us in, came over to us. Sean and I put on a sad face. And the guard said, listen, lads, I don't want to do you. If they give you a good reason why you were speeding, I'll let you go. So I said, guard, my wife left me five years ago. She ran off with a guard and I thought it was you bringing her back. Did you really say that? I'm only joking. <laughs> we're, actually, we're actually married to a lovely, beautiful woman. And she's Not listening to you now. I'd say she'd clobber you over the head now in a minute. She would. Not two weeks now. <laughs> did you get away with it though? Of course we did. Of course you did. <laughs> they're all charmers. <laughs> Tell me about your song. I've watched your promo, Mondello Day, Mondello Day to drive MND away. Now, tell us about your song. My song? Well, um, we had a number one last year, myself and my son, Terence, called My New Dream. And this is a follow-up. It's a duet with my 12-year-old daughter, Ella. It's called I Can't Wait for Tomorrow. If I may, Alison, can I give out the donate? Uh, of course number? you can. Of course you can. Yeah. As I say, admission to Mondello is free, but if people would like to donate, it's idonate.ie forward slash Mondello MNP. Now, my just say, say it again now, Roy, just to remind people who, if anyone's scrambling to get their pen. So I donate. Dot IE forward slash Mondello MND. And you're fundraising for a great cause. Yes. Irish you... Motor Neuron Disease 
Association and Research Motor Neuron. Okay, so we're going to we're going to go to a break. And uh, will you stay on the line? Because we want to talk some more to you and we want to hear all of Okay, stay there. We'll take a break. You're listening to The Late Lunch and we're talking to the fabulous Roy Taylor and we'll be back after this. Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. Still on the line is Roy Taylor who suffers with motor neuron disease and has challenged his friend Sean to a race in their wheelchairs in Mondello Park this Saturday. Uh, I'm sure excitement is building, Roy. Oh, yes, indeed. We have Lewis Hamilton rattling in his boots. They're going to see speed never done before in Mondello for one reason, for one reason or another. Um, certainly have fun, that's for sure. That sounds absolutely amazing. We have a text in here on 0861800658 for you. Go, Sean. Go, Roy, from Grace Agnew. We're all behind you. Isn't that lovely? You've great oh, support. Brilliant. It's a very, uh, it's a very emotional time um, and a shock to the system, I suppose, as well, Roy, when you're diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Well, it is. I mean, look, to be honest, Alison, the main thing is to try and stay positive, uh, keep your mind active. You, I guess it's a mixture of laughs and tears. And the main thing is to have more laughs and tears. And that way you help M and D, and you've certainly stayed active. You've written a beautiful song. Can't wait for tomorrow. Tell us about that. Well, it's as I say, did you went with my daughter Ella? She's twelve. Um, ever since Ella was three years old, I'd say to her every night, Ella, I can't wait for tomorrow. And she'd answer back, because you love me even more. And that's where it came about. That's gorgeous. So, yeah. It's lovely. So it's released in about two weeks' time. Just waiting on the video to be finished editing and it goes to release. So you're getting a, a very early play. And how, how does Ella feel about it? Well, I think she uh, I think she likes it. Is this her debut? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um she kinda grins when I say, Ella your song can be on the radio. So she grins. I think that means she likes us. I think it does. I think it does. Well, Roy, would you like to introduce your own song here on the late lunch on LMFM? Because I think that's really important that you, you introduce your own song. Thank you very much, Alison. As I say, the song is called Can't Wait for Tomorrow. And that's a message I'd like to send out to MND warriors everywhere. Because tomorrow will be a better day. I started to cry. <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous. Well done. Well done on a beautiful, delicate, really sensitive, like raindrop song. Really, really lovely to listen to. Well, well so done. Much. Well done to you all. Uh, Alison, can I just say? Of course you can. I don't know why I win on Saturday or Sean will win, but the real loser is M M T. You're absolutely right. It is. And please, God, they'll keep their research going and things will improve. Roy, thanks so much for coming on the show here on The Late Lunch to tell us your story and share your beautiful song with Ella. Uh, But Saturday's the place to be. Mondello Park. Absolutely. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. I've no doubt it'll be a great day. 6pm. That's it. That's it. MND, watch your back. Watch your back. Yeah.
MND in your face. Yeah. Thanks so much, Roy. Thank, Thank you, you so much for sharing that wonderful story with us. That's the brilliant Roy Taylor sharing what a gorgeous song. I can't wait for tomorrow with Ella there. Absolutely lovely. OK, we'll head to news and sport and we'll all get the tissues out. Take care. Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM and in some breaking news in the UK, BP are prioritising fuel deliveries as driver shortages hit supplies and some petrol stations are shut. So very bad news. Maybe the fallout from Brexit, just the start of it. The company insists it has plenty of fuel, but too few delivery drivers to keep up with the demand on petrol provision. And it's becoming the latest in the country's supply chain difficulties. We'll keep an eye on that anyway. Um, so the Debs, we want to talk about the Debs. And uh, Alan McArdle, founder of Debs Ireland, is on the line. You're very welcome to the late lunch. Alan, how are you? Thanks. I'm sorry about that. Good, good, good. Uh we're able to have a Debs again. It's hugely exciting for everybody. It is, and thank God it's come around at last. Um, I know when we set, off, set up the business originally back in the 90s, one thing, I always thought we were sure of three things in this world, but one was debt, two was taxes, and three was Debs, especially in Ireland. And we were horrified, to say the least, when it all went uh, pear-shaped on us last March. So we basically have had, hadn't had a single event since the 12th of March 2020. So the excitement, not just in the office, but from talking to students and everything, mm. it's actually palpable now at the moment. And, and it's great because it's, sorry, it's finally moving in the right direction mm. for us. So we can't wait until after the 22nd. And we actually have one dead zone in the tone. Oh. And we had others scheduled. But once Michal Martin made the announcement, they all switched to post-22. And what it was that... Uh, but what it is, it's basically, basically the event on the soul would run like a wedding. So it's an earlier start, an earlier finish, and there's restrictions in between, obviously, as well, like, you know. But everybody else wanted to hold back and have the full event, which is the 7.30 red carpet, the drinks reception, the four-course meal by candlelight, the award ceremony after it, to the nightclub, the karaoke, the lip-sync battles, all the different entertainment, affordables, whatever it is. And then disco on at five o'clock in the morning, followed by a fully seated breakfast, and then home again. Wow! So it's it's a huge event. It's not what it would have been back in the eighties, nineties, or even up to fifteen, twenty years ago. It's evolved into something that I think is a much bigger event, even than a wedding now. Like you know, what actually happens in them? There's a lot happening throughout the whole day. But it's it is important as well to hold people together in the one room because this is where things can go wrong with young people and or, or any age group. But it is it is really important to have the event over the course of a few hours, isn't it? Oh, uh, oh, absolutely! Like you know, now, now we are still all restrictions are obviously being lifted. Mm. We will still be exercising caution and mm. recommending to other people the, the same thing that like, it takes. Uh, like logical bloody things like like that they're washing their hands and that they are keeping distance where they can and all of that Mm -hmm. and of course there's great ventilation in all the venues so everyone's going to still be cautious but at that stage thankfully the vast majority of us will be vaccinated as well so hopefully the exposure at that end of it it will be limited and everybody can focus on having a good time instead of being anxious which they have been for the last couple of years but there's been there's been a massive uptake of uh, vaccinations amongst young people they're very pleased with the uptake yeah and i know that from the the few and it's been very very few calls that i've had regarding inquiries about 
even after the 22nd, do you have to have the job or not? Uh, like we would handle on a normal year up to maybe 40,000 students. That's a couple of hundred devs. We uh, have that this year because it's been decimated. But I literally maybe three, maybe four calls with that kind of inquiry and all the committees we're talking to, they all did no hesitancy whatsoever about getting uh, the vaccine, which has been mm. it's been brilliant, positive. So just just give us the ideal night out. So start, you're, you, everybody gets their tickets. You organise everything from beginning to end and uh, make sure everyone's safe. But the great idea is you do breakfast in the morning, which keeps people <laughs> safe. Yeah, no, it, it, I, listen, I'll tell you. <laughs> I went to a Debs in Balbriggan, which was held in Dublin. And you, they're just the streams of people heading to Bewley's the next morning. Wrecked, yeah, makeup yeah. hanging off you, dressing <laughs> bits, flower gone, hair all over the place. Yeah, well, well, how it all came about was when, when the company was formed originally, um, I was still as a hell of a lot younger and uh, it wasn't that long since I'd been to a, a couple of deaths. So I was lucky enough that I was at a couple. So I experienced the whole thing with finishing at half one or two o'clock in the morning. I remember my own dad, the big thrill then was to go down and see the pink flamingo at the docks because that was in that particular summer. And well, actually, that was in January, our dad's de la Salle. And uh, that, was the, that wasn't exactly the highlight, but that was the focus point after the dead, which was a bit sad to say the least. Mm. So the one thing when we started was that everybody kind of separated at the end of the night, went to different house parties. Some got in trouble, some made a, made a mess more than others. And it just, it fizzled out rather than finished on a high. So that's how we ended up doing what we do, extending the disco hours. And we have a graduation song on about four o'clock in the morning. DJ calls everybody onto the floor, just a class of 21 or 22. And make a big deal, um, focus on just a class. Look around you guys. It's the last time you're going to be together like this, which it is. So for those who aren't crying already at that stage, we put off pyrotechnics then in the middle of it. And then it's a real highlight. It's a, it's a moment they'll always remember. And it's the peak of the night as such. And they always stay in the dance floor after that. Then it's straight into breakfast. And then they kind of crash on the actual bus itself. Mm. So it's, it's a great night. The longer night, and at least if you see your child getting on that bus at half seven or seven o'clock, whatever it is, and you're there to see them coming off, you know the safe in between. There's no other house party, but there's no one watching or anything like that. So the complete, you know, we've a medic there the whole night as well. The medic would normally be used, but could be used for simple things like a plaster for a girl's heel with the new shoes on. Oh, it could yeah. be even, I've seen, I've seen medics even uh, uh, putting, uh, what do you call it, hands on, uh, hands on skirt or dresses, you know, so, it could be so sometimes other times of course someone might have a bit of a panic attack or it could be something small and uh, they're there for comfort as well as everything else right? so yeah this is, there's yeah, there's all of those things I didn't even think about that just sore feet and the high heels and I mean you're going to have plenty of that because no yeah, one's no, been no, wearing no. high heels <laughs> no, absolutely yes there's plenty of that uh, the, the other thing that we, we uh, just as an observational thing that we noticed that in 2019 in particular that I know it's a bit of a gap now but I would imagine it's going to be the same this year as well is the huge interest the lads have in themselves and the personal grooming like it used to be just the, it was all about the girls the devs was all about the girls oh yeah mm-hmm. but we have a competition there and it's for the best dressed 
on the night. And it's one male, one female. It used to just be the girls. Mm-hmm. And then the lads started questioning, well, why not us? And it wasn't necessarily on a PC equal rights thing. Oh, yeah. It was literally, hey, look at me, like, I'm not putting serious effort in here. <laughs> why why are I being taken? So we actually have now one for the lads and one for the girls. Lovely. And the, the difference over the years, especially observing, just observing coming out of the right car, but it's huge. The girls, we know, never wear the same dress twice if they're going to two events. But even the lads now, in some occasions, won't wear the same suit. And the suits are getting tighter, the trousers are getting shorter. <laughs> so there's been a Leo Farrakh on, it's like, you know, they're bed into the jackets so they are like, you know. Yeah, and the parents so, are paying for it all. <laughs> they're paying for everything. They're paying for everything. And that's why we say to the students, like, you know, always remember, it's the four parents that have to pay for the tickets, like, yeah, you know. And your two dresses. <laughs> and the dresses and all that goes with it. And the hair, the makeup, the limos, oh. the nails, it's everything. It's but like it the Oscars. Huge. It, it is like the answer this, but it is a, an absolute milestone and rite of passage for them. And I do feel sorry for those that have missed out on it in the last year and a half. Yeah. We, we still have Debs from 2020 going into January of 22. My goodness. They, they want to uh, particularly resilient and they are determined to have their Debs. Good for them. Really good for them. Oh, them. good for them. Well, look, we've run out of time now, Alan. Uh, thanks a million for joining no us. Problem. People can get you at debsireland.com. That's it. Perfect. Thanks very Great much. Great stuff. That's Alan McArdle there, founder of Debs okay. Ireland. The Debs are back. No, that's it. We've run out of time. Thanks so much for all of our guests and for Louise Walsh, the producer of The Late Lunch. And we'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.